about making a way. I want to talk to you about making a way for the future generations. It's fitting on Mother's Day and it's something that God's been speaking to me about, about making a way. The greatest people in this earth are the ones who have realized their lives count for someone else. The ones who realize that, you know, it's not just about me, it's about others. And so I want to talk to you this morning in that vein. You know, you can turn the tables. You can break cycles. You can break patterns. Your life can be fruitful and flourishing. And in fact, that's exactly what God intends for your life. And so I want to speak this morning about that. And you know what? Until you and I face the dysfunctions in our own lives, we're stuck within them. And um, it's very quiet. (laughs) But the truth is that we have to face up to it and take responsibility for it if we want to turn it around, if we want to change it. Otherwise, we remain stuck and what was taught to us by our experiences is taught to our children and it's passed on. But I want to tell you that there's always hope in Jesus and there's always a turnaround in Jesus and you are not a victim to what's happened, whether it was your fault or not, that there is always hope in Jesus to turn things around. And so I want to talk this morning about that. Rahab knew what it was like to face a bleak future and hunger for more than what she'd ever known. Rahab was a woman from an ungodly background. In fact, she was a prostitute who lived in the wall of Jericho. And Jericho was the nation that God's people were destined to take over with force. And she was the most unlikely person to be named in a story like the one she's named in. And God's people were on her doorstep and here she is, here she is, a prostitute living in the wall. And the Bible tells us that when Joshua, the leader of Israel, sent two spies in to Jericho to to check it out, that they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab. I don't know how that happened, how two godly men ended up in a prostitute's house. Who knows? The Bible doesn't always give us all the details except that it happened and here she is, conducting a lucrative business out of that war. She was an informant to the king. She was possibly very wealthy, but desperately unhappy and searching for truth. In all that she'd seen, all that she knew, what her other gods, the walls, the king, the riches could not offer her, suddenly this God of Israel who she had heard about seemed real. Something in her began to stir. And one afternoon, as she's looking out her window, she sees these two men among the crowd entering the gates of Jericho. She knew, you know, ladies, you know what it's like when a shop attendant says to you, can I help you? What are you looking for? And you say, I don't know, but when I see it, I'll know. I'm sure it was like that for Rahab. She saw it and she knew this was it. And somehow they ended up in her house She'd heard about the God of Israel, how he led his people. This amazing God who you and I love today, led his people, provided for his people, made a way for his people. And in all the abuse and suffering and hardship that she'd faced in her life, she had a glimmer of hope. Somehow, this seemed different. The king's guard got suspicious of this whole scenario and they end up on her door and she tells them a bogus story because she's hidden the two spies in her ceiling and she tells the king's guard, no, they were here but they've gone 
and um, just shows you how well trusted she was in that they believed her and they went on the wild goose chase she'd sent them on. And then the, the, the spies come down from her ceiling and it takes us up to Joshua chapter 2 where they're talking. And Rahab says to them, terror of you has fallen on all of us in Jericho and that the, all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We've heard of how your God did all these miracles. He dried up the Red Sea for you to walk through. We, we know that he's an amazing, powerful God and we're afraid because you're on our doorstep. We know what we're in for. And then she says to them, she says to them, I beg you in verse 12, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you this kindness that you'll also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the two spies make this agreement for, with her that when they come to take over Jericho, they'll spare her family, her family alone because she'd extended this gesture to them. And so then they go on their way and they tell Joshua a favorable report. Yep, it's an amazing city. It's well fortified, but they're petrified of us. Surely God has given this into our hands. And so we know then that Joshua leads the people to march around the walls. And that's a whole other message in itself, the power of praise to, to bring down walls. And so they march around the walls and the walls come down. And it tells us in chapter six, Joshua says to the spies, go back to her house and do what you've promised and, and spare her family. And so her whole family's waiting there and they are delivered and they are spared from the fate of the rest of the city. But in verse 25 of chapter six, it says, so she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers who Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab not only lived in Israel for the rest of her life, but she's also King David's great-grandmother. And King David, we know, is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This woman, a prostitute in a pagan nation who'd known nothing but devastation, becomes part of the lineage of grace that saved you and me this morning. I want to tell you that no matter what lies behind you, you can turn things around. I want to tell you, mothers and fathers in this place tonight, this morning, no matter what has happened, your fault or not, you can take responsibility and turn it around for the future generations. That is the God who we serve. He counts us in if we lean in. No matter what, he welcomes us with open arms. Matthew tells us of the genealogy. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot King David. Our salvation came through a whole line, not just Rahab, but the Bible's full of dysfunctional, unlikely, broken, messed up people who stepped up to the line and made a difference and changed the course of history. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, I believe that God loves to use the messes and turn them around. I believe God loves to take your test and make it a testimony. I believe that God shines in those moments. These people who rose up beyond their predisposed means and changed the course of history. Are you ready to be that person in your family line? Are you ready to be that person? I'm here to tell you, you can break the mold. 
You can break that addiction. You can have a thriving family. You can lead a healthy, victorious life free from cycles and patterns and dysfunctional norms. No matter who you are, who your family is, or what lies in your past, you can make a way for future generations. What happened in the past may not have been your fault, but you can take responsibility for it. And that's what it takes. The moment you stop being a victim and become the person who says, I'm taking responsibility for this, is the moment everything changes for the future. It might not have been your fault, but you can own up to it and take responsibility for it. You are the one who can change the whole deal. Be the bigger person. There were some amazing women around Jesus who corrected a wrong committed many hundreds of years before them. That was completely not their fault, and yet they corrected it on behalf of you and I. Luke 8. Luke 8, my favorite gospel, the gospel of Luke. Verses 1 to 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, verse 2, and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, which means she was from Magdala, which was an area that was known as where all the prostitutes lived. Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Jesus had delivered her from that level of torment. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, a wealthy woman, quite different to Mary. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support Jesus and his disciples out of their own means. Luke describes these women and their backgrounds in in great context. In fact, Luke spends more time than any other of the writers describing how important women were to the ministry of Jesus. And he describes them as so different. Some of them were housewives, some of them were mothers, some of them were childless, some of them were single, married, wealthy, poor, prominent, marginalized, excluded, connected. They were all so different Just like right across this room, the cross-section of the people sitting in this room is so different. So different. But one thing they all had in common, Jesus had changed their lives. Jesus had turned their life upside down, whether they were wealthy or poor, whether they were connected or marginalized, whether they were married or single, childless or mothers, Jesus had intercepted their lives and revolutionized their lives. I've noticed one thing about someone whose life has been revolutionized is that they want everyone to know about it. I know whether Jesus has truly impacted your life by the degree in which you spread that news. And so these people were absolutely, these amazing people, men and women, were perpetuating this story. Transformed people are unstoppable. A convinced person will find a way to share the story. A person with an answer will find a way to perpetuate that reality into others. Luke mentions that these women were the ones remaining with Jesus at the foot of the cross. When everyone else had deserted him, These were the only people left at the foot of the cross. 
These women were the only ones at the tomb when his disciples became a bunch of scaredy cat recluses in some upper room somewhere. It was these women who took the story and saw the resurrected Jesus first before anyone else. It was these ones, and he tells us that these women funded Jesus' ministry out of their own means. And the reason I'm harping on this and the reason it's so important is what I'm about to tell you. When the woman fed the first Adam an apple, they ushered in sin and death for all humanity and lost everything God had blessed to them. When woman fed the second Adam out of her own means, they ushered in forgiveness and restoration for all that was lost the first time around. So powerful. So I want to say to you, no matter how deep or how generational that hurt and that sin might be, it can stop with you. You and Jesus together can turn it around for the course of the future. Are you willing to be that person? Are you willing to be that person? These women made the gravest of wrongs right again after many hundreds of years. What Eve lost, they regained. Partnered with Jesus and through their heart of sacrifice and devotion to Him. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't fund His own ministry? I mean, if He could turn a few loaves and a couple of fish into a meal for 5,000 people, Surely there's a spiritual ATM somewhere that he could have punched a pin number into, right? Have you ever wondered why he didn't fund his own ministry? I caught on to this very, very early as a young person. And I realised this. It's because God gives us the privilege of partnering with him. He gives us the privilege of partnering with Him in what He wants to do in our lives and in the lives of those that we have influence with. It's actually an opportunity. And when you make that shift from victim mentality to prosperous and victorious, everything changes. When you take responsibility, even if it wasn't your fault, you become the bigger person. You partner with the victorious Spirit of God that says... I am an overcomer. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All that lies behind me means nothing compared to all that lies ahead of me if I partner with the Spirit of God in my devotion, in my sacrifice, in my love and absolute adoration of who He is. I can be a part of righting the wrongs. I can be a part of that. He allows us the opportunity to partner with Him in restoring all that is lost. There's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope. Hope for your family. Hope for your future. Hope for your freedom. It says in Hosea, there's hope, hope and acres of hope. And I want to speak to you this morning and say, if you've lost hope, you need to change that mindset and realise that it's actually up to you. 
it's up to you. I'd love for you to stand to your feet this morning and ponder for a moment that area in your life that you are not seeing victory in. And I want you to rebuke that mindset in the name of Jesus. Rebuke it because it's not from Him. Maybe it's an area in your health. Maybe it's an area in your family. Maybe it's an area in your finance, whatever it is. And you know what? The enemy is beating you down and lying to you. I want to tell you this morning that you can make it right by the Spirit of God and activating what He's given to you and handed to you, you can be the one that makes a way for future generations. What is that area in your life? What is that area in your life? You are free to live in the fullness of what God has for you. And as I look around this room, just take a moment, bow your head, close your eyes if you need to, raise your hands to heaven. On this Mother's Day, male or female alike, are you willing to be that person? To disallow the excuses of your past, of your dysfunction, and actually make a change. Turn the tables. Turn the tables. Deny those things that are keeping you bound. Repentance is simply a change of heart. It's stopping doing what you've always done. And then grace is what we step into and we receive by the Spirit of God to live beyond what we once lived to live in the promise, to manifest that promise. It is not a vague thing off in the distance. It's available to you right now. And His arms are stretched wide open. It is available to you. Lord Jesus, I thank You, Lord, for what You have laid out before us, for what is available to us. And Father God, I thank you that we are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Father, I thank you that we are the ones to be counted as as those who turn the tables for the future generations. Father God, I just, Lord, with everything in me, want to bind up all those dysfunctional patterns and those things that have held us bound for so long. Bind them up, rebuke them and send them back to where they came from and loose the power of the Spirit to step into prosperity, to step into promise, to step into the life that You have in store for every single believer. Thank You, Lord Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that we don't deserve it. We're not worthy. And we lay even that mindset aside and we just say, but because You've laid it out for me, I step into it by the blood and the mercy of Jesus Christ. If you believe it this morning, would you give God some praise? We thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for making a way. Thank you that you made a way. Thank you that you made a way and we simply follow in your footsteps. You were the first one. You made a way, Jesus. You made a way. You came. You put on flesh. You walked this earth. You were... You suffer the same temptations we suffer. You experience the same things we experience so that 
you, you could empathise and sympathise with us. And then you gave up your life so that we didn't have to pay the price we could actually never pay. You paid it all for us, for our sin, for our hurt, for our shame, for our regret. You paid it. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We are eternally grateful for that. Thank you that you loved us first and your love is unending. It's beyond comprehension. There is no limits to your love, your grace, your mercy. This morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to offer an invitation to those here. Maybe you don't know Jesus. You're not in relationship with Him. Maybe you were once, but you've walked away. You've allowed the distractions and the complexities of life to take you away from your first love. And I want to invite you back for the first time or again. And if that's you, and that's you and you know, you know today's the day, this Mother's Day in 2017, you want to respond to this invitation and make Jesus the Lord and Saviour of your life. While no one's looking around, I'd love for you to raise your hand so that I know who to pray with in a moment. You want to respond. Is that you? Thank you. See your hand. Anybody else here this morning? I'll wait a few moments. This is a powerful, powerful moment. And every, most of us in this room have made this decision. Best decision we ever made. As I look across the room, is there anyone else who wants to join this prayer? Thank you, I see your hand. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, church? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your sacrifice that made a way for me. Today I respond and I say yes to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I thank you that today I'm adopted into your family and I commit my days to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well done. Well, for those who made that decision, raise your hand. Maybe you didn't but you prayed that prayer in your heart. We encourage you to follow that up with the next step, to say, yes, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus and I wanna make this real in my life. And the way that we do that here is just by inviting you to go up to the yes desk at the back of the auditorium. Dave's waving, Dave's up there. And, um, And he'd love to just answer any questions and the team would love to answer any questions, help you make this decision something that governs you for the rest of your life. Amen. And um, we just love you, church. Hey, do you know what? After the service, straight out those doors, we've got special treats for the mums, for the women. So guys, just hold off. Let the women help themselves first. (laughs) Um, And have an amazing day. Have an amazing day celebrating each other. We love you all. Hopefully we'll see you tonight. If not, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. Let's go out praising God.